0: the Security Serengeti. We're your hosts, David Schwindinger and Matthew Keener. Stop what you're doing and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a lovely five-star review and follow us at SerengetiSec on Twitter. We're here to talk more about cybersecurity. In each episode, we will focus on a specific topic
1: or two of interest to the community. Today, we're going to be talking about the Gartner Hype Cycle
0: for Security Operations 2022. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are ours and ours alone and do not reflect the views or opinions of our employers.
1: Introducing the hype cycle, the most popular treasury draining exercise product of CISOs across the world. My God, it's full of stars. gold ones. So the Gartner hype cycle, so this is a white paper put out by Gartner, which lists a bunch of capabilities that, you know, they're all the rage now, they're passe, or whatever the next big thing is.
0: And what's interesting to me is I've never heard any the other podcasts or seen news articles that discuss it. And I don't know if that's because nobody else cares or is it because there's a restriction on discussing Gartner stuff? Like, are we about to get sued by Gartner? I don't know. But a vendor gave it to me for free and I didn't see anything in there that said, you know, click through licensing. You cannot talk about this. Well, at the top of the paper, it says license for distribution. It does say. Oh, good. I didn't actually even check that. Sounds like it's free to be distributed to me, but I don't know. They probably paid Gardner for the right to distribute it. Oh, yep. Could be. Yeah. So this Harder. was published on July 5th of 2022. And it's a pretty ski slope structure. looks like a roller coaster.
1: Right. So it's like a sine wave kind of diagram, which they have. Starting off the article... So on the y-axis, you have how hyped it is. And then on the x-axis, you have the timeline based on how useful it is or how useful people find it anyway. So from left to right on the timeline, you have the innovation trigger. So if someone comes up with something worthy to be hyped. Next section is the peak of inflated expectations. You know, so the greatest
0: thing that... Uh, since slice, sliced bread and you got to have it. It's the next cool thing. This is where your sister shows up at your door saying, hey, have you heard about this new thing? Right. <laughs> yeah. you're that or, hey, go out and get one of these things and
1: test it or uh, worse. <laughs> hey, I bought this thing. Deploy it. Oh, God. Yeah, We have seen both of those, sadly enough. Then what follows the peak of inflated expectations? The trough of disillusionment. <laughs> of course. Like where it turns out that the pref isn't exactly what you thought it was, or it's really hard to use. And after that is the slope of enlightenment where you're like, ah, now I understand how to use it. And finally, there's the plateau of productivity. So where it's actually useful.
0: So I was talking with a associate of mine, Victor. I want to throw a shout out to him because he gave me a comparison that makes a lot of sense here. He compared this to the Dunning-Kruger effect, where Dunning-Kruger effect is where you learn a little bit about something, and you think you know a lot about it, and you think you're really good at it, and then you learn more about it, and you're like, oh, no, I'm terrible at this. There's so much here. And it is. It's very much like the new technology comes out, and nobody knows very much about it, and nobody's explored all the possibilities. Everybody thinks it's utterly phenomenal and the best thing since sliced bread. Right? So it was an interesting parallel, and I hadn't thought about it that way. So I appreciate that, Victor. Yeah, and so uh, along this thing, they have a list of,
1: of capabilities on which is in each of these sections. And I'm wondering if you know there's any particular type of capability that may have skipped some of these. You know, do you have to go from actual A, B, C, D, and E, or is it possible to go from A straight to C? <laughs> which is it possible, or if anybody anything's actually gone from A to D to E or yeah. straight through or not? And I'm sure if we thought about it for a minute, we could probably think of something that went from I one feel end like to the threat other.
0: intelligence is there, but. I don't believe in threat <laughs> intelligence, so. But it believes in you. And <laughs> that's the important thing. But they have a whole bunch
1: of um, capabilities listed on here. But there's something that I thought were notably, noticeably absent. I'm not sure why they weren't listed. Uh, because these are like core technologies that we've been working with for a long time. Like AVDS. I'm not sure if IDS was replaced with NDR, which of course is on the list. Web proxy, HIPs, HIDs. I guess those are replaced with EDR, which is maybe why they're not on the list. And uh, they purposefully removed deception technology, which it irks me because their explanation for why it was removed was because they say this is currently being integrated into EDR, XDR, ITDR. That's just what, making up DRs. That's that the ITDR. That's the one we talked about, the identity threat detection response. Oh, that's the new oh, one. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, so, which I think is a bunch of crap. I don't believe that's true, that companies are building te- deception tech into these tools. It would be possible because a lot of decep- deception tech resides on endpoints. But what doesn't make sense as to why these products would be integrate deception tech into them is most deception tech is a standalone tool. You don't want your deception tech where you're drawing the attacker to the endpoint <laughs> to reside on one of your production endpoints where you're running EDR. So it doesn't make sense to me that... The deception tech is going to be integrated or is integrated into any of these products. So uh, I can so see.
0: I call it bullshit on that one. Uh, I can see a couple places where deception tech may be integrated. For example, like canary accounts, like where you put an account purely into memory uh, that doesn't exist, and then if someone tries to log into it, you know they pulled it out of memory. Like that would make sense to integrate that with your EDR because your EDR agents already everywhere, but. Like honeypots and like Active Directory deception technology and other canaries. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it does not make sense. Yeah. So I think the reason that a lot of those other tools aren't on there, they may already be off to the right. They may be on like AV and IDS and web proxies are probably already on the plateau of productivity. Nobody's really doing anything innovative with them other than replacing them like you called out <laughs> IDS is being replaced with NDR, hips is being replaced with EDR. I don't know if anything is replacing web proxy. Actually no, web proxy is being replaced by Casby, isn't it? Mm, no. No. All right, it's
1: not. I don't believe so. I'm sure someone could make an argument for that, but not that I'm aware of. I've mm. never seen anybody say oh, that no. Casby's a replacement no, 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 for web proxy. I'm sorry,
0: Casby's cloud access. I was thinking of a SASE, the Secure Access Secure Edge.
1: Oh well, well, that's going to replace everything. I mean, you just got the whole <laughs> hype cycle, and just put Casby in the trough for disillusionment, or I mean, the SAS-y sassy in the trough for dis- yeah.
0: disillusionment. So weirdly enough, sassy is only mentioned once here, and a linked one. I just realized that as I said that, like I didn't see that anywhere on here, and it's not. Maybe that's not considered part of this. Is specifically for security operations. Maybe it's in a different hype cycle, or it could be that Gartner didn't invent
1: that term, so they don't want to use it. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So anyway, in the diagram, they've got these capabilities listed along this timeline in their respective place in the hype cycle. And they've also color-coded each dot for the capability, indicating how long it's going to be before the tool reaches the plateau or not. So less than two years, two to five, five to 10, over 10, and then, of course, obsolete before plateau. So in other words, it gets into the trough of disillusionment and doesn't come out. And of course, they put a benefit. Attached to each one of these capabilities as well, from trans transformational to high to moderate to low, and on this paper anyway, there are no
0: capabilities listed in the low category. That's interesting because I would say like, oh no, that's fine, never mind. I'm gonna keep my I'm gonna keep my opinion to myself till I talk about a specific thing. I may call (laughs) some of these lows though. No, (laughs)
1: all right. So we're gonna go through the hype cycle, starting on the left, going to the right, beginning with the innovation trigger.
0: And I think most of the conversation is going to happen on the left side of this. Because like, for example, like vulnerability assessment is listed as being on the plateau of productivity. I don't think we want to talk about vulnerability assessment at all, really. But that's the most exciting, best thing ever. (laughs) All right. All All right, right, let's roll.
1: I could talk about that for hours and hours. The rest of us will all fall asleep and die. Like pruning rose bushes, just go (laughs) on. All right. But on the left, we have the innovation trigger. And, you know, this is where something first enters into Gartner's consciousness. Because actually several of these things are stuff that Gartner has coined
0: the term and developed the definition. Yeah, stuff that before the podcast we discussed and I was like, I have never heard of this before for obvious reasons.
1: So we're not going to go through the entire list here. We're just going to touch on a couple within the innovation trigger. But there are, let's see, eight Different capabilities listed on this chart. And of course, there's
0: really six because we talked about the external ASM, the cyber, the external attack surface management, the cyber asset attack surface management, the exposure management are all that's a very overlapping Venn diagram there. Yeah, they're basically the same thing. But what amuses me is they're all five to 10 years, which makes sense for a overlapping. They believe that the main benefit, it'll reach the plateau of productivity in five to 10 years. But they ranked one of them as high and the other two as moderate. So, anyways, makes no sense to me. All
1: right. But the two we're going to talk about that are in the innovation trigger are the identity threat detection and response, ITDR, which Gartner believes is a high benefit. And they specify, or I'm going to quote an article here that references this when they're talking about it that while other cybersecurity tools play a role in identity threat management, there's been a marked rise in cybercriminals targeting identity and access management tools or infrastructure in recent years. As a result, Gartner felt creating this new category would help organizations sharpen their focus and be better positioned to access better tools and practices to defend their identity systems.
0: Yeah, I find this one really interesting. I was looking, because we were talking about this beforehand again, this is one that I never heard of before. And when you look at it, it looks like it's identity and access management and Pam, but it adds EDR capabilities because the the paper here quote says they can quote discover and detect threats, evaluate policies, respond to threats, investigate potential attacks, and restore normal operations. That is way beyond any IAM I've ever dealt with. Although I don't know, maybe I'm not dealing with the cool ones. You just haven't spent enough money yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, boy. Yeah. But no, I actually really like, because this, uh, this is how EDR improved over AV. AV would just detect something and tell you something bad happened. And then EDR added a lot more around, you know, what processes were run, what files were written to disk, what network connections, et cetera. So you can actually do more of a an investigation remotely rather than having to, you know, dive in and do forensics or log analysis. So I do think that this is a natural growth, and they're going to be doing this with basically every tool. I mean, they've already done it with a... Network and the ND, ID, network IDS turned into NDR and the cloud stuff. They're working on doing this for cloud DR, CDR as well. So, well, it seems like this is really just a tweaking
1: of IAM and PAM solutions to add another
0: capability on top of it. I don't yeah. think this is something completely new, but EDR is not new. It's the same thing you're talking about. Like it's a tweaking and, and an expansion of the AV capabilities made it more useful though. We'll see. No, <laughs> I haven't had any vendors pitch this to me yet, so. Yeah, it said the market penetration is 5 to 20% of the audience, but I think it's on the 5% side. Because again, yeah, I've never heard of this. No vendors have hit me up about this.
1: All right, the other one we're going to talk about in the innovation trigger section is the cybersecurity mesh architecture, which is tr- it would be a transformational benefit, but you're going to have to wait at least 10 years before that's realized. So this is something else that Gartner came up with. And they define it as... Bullshit. McAfee did this like 10 years ago. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. We'll give the oh, definition sorry. here. You're stealing my... my, my oh, hundred. shoot.
0: I see your notes. I'm sorry. I see your note.
1: <laughs> so Gartner defines this as a composable and scalable approach to extending security controls even to widely distribu- distributed assets. Its flexibility is especially suitable for increasingly modular approach approaches consistent with hybrid multi-cloud architectures, CSMA enables more composable, flexible, and resilient security ecosystem. Rather than every security tool running in a silo, a cybersecurity mesh enables tools to interoperate through several supportive, supportive layers, such as consolidated policy management, security intelligence, and identity fabric. Well, it sounds fancy. It sounds good. I mean, this is what everybody has hoped for or been talking about since the introduction of the SIM really. Yeah. And they thought that Sora was going to be it. Yeah, everything, this is like the Holy Grail, I would say, just about, of cybersecurity. And Gartner says, we're starting to see the adoption of the MES architecture and security operations space as an approach for architecting composable distributed security controls that improve overall security effectiveness. And when they say Starting to see less than 1% is not starting to see adoption. That's, you know, you're talking about, hey, Bob is doing it over here. I don't know if that means sure. starting to
0: see the adoption of it. You're probably talking about like Fortune 10 companies or like Google and Apple and. Yeah, both of them. They should have said, we've seeing both these companies
1: start to use <laughs> the cyber mesh. But this, you know, as Matt mentioned a second ago, Sorry. this is really, uh, in, in my opinion, anyway, this is the McAfee data exchange layer which they came up with in 2014, but couldn't get everybody to sign off
0: on. Yeah. I remember and, you telling me about that because we discussed how to implement it. And- yeah.
1: Cause they had also another tie into this called, I was tie. Cannot remember what that acronym stands for now, but McAfee was working with a bunch of different security vendors to partner with them in order to implement this data exchange layer. And they actually open sourced the data exchange layer for other, for anybody to get to glob onto. So this is something that McAfee was trying to get the industry to, to gravitate towards almost 10 years ago in 2014. And the way that McAfee defined it, at, it is as a secure, real-time way to unite data and action across multiple applications from different vendors, as well as internally developed applications. So quite frankly, uh, I think Gartner's re this, trying to say this is their own thing, when McAfee
0: came up with this almost 10 years ago. So when does that match up against Soar? When was the first Soar platform? Mm, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm doing a quick Google search for it and I can't find it. I can see a, here there's a lot of articles about Soar in 2018. So maybe 2018 was when it hit the, you know, pyramid, what's the first? So hmm. When it became big? No, it's got to be before that. Well, no, Uh, no, I'm thinking in terms So 2018 is when there's a bunch of articles. So 2018 is when, hold on, I'm scrolling up for the hype cycle to see what, so 2018 was the peak of inflated expectations.
1: Right. Since so yes, I know I was talking to vendors to POC
0: SOAR at, I would say, 2016 or sooner. Yeah. No, you're right. Because 2016, the vendor that the vendor, any of the vendors I spoke with were all in, that's what I'm looking for, they were all in stealth mode. Right. Yeah. Because we spoke with a bunch of them that were... Stealthy. 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 But anyway, you know, if Gartner and...
1: Maybe McAfee couldn't pull this off because they're McAfee and they're considered a vendor, whereas Gartner is considered like an industry standard thing and they're also supposedly considered uh, vendor agnostic. So maybe Gartner is going to be able to pull this off where McAfee couldn't this is pulling all these folks together, getting these things to talk. And I'm all for it if they're able to pull it off. But like I said, they are not the first ones at this party.
0: No, but I think this is, I think this is actually... Kind of like how AV evolved into EDR and then EDR is evolving into XDR, which we'll talk about in a minute. I think that this is the evolution of the McAfee data exchange layer into SOAR, into its final form. Yeah, let's
1: hope so. It's too bad that they think this is over 10 years away. But of yeah. course, if they're already seeing adoption, that means it's not. it doesn't have to be. Because really, when we're talking about these different areas They're talking about this in general terms for the industry, not for particular people or particular organizations, because there are some organizations that probably really understand these tools well and have worked with them well. And they're already at the plateau of productivity for specific types of capabilities. But the next session we're going to talk about is the peak of inflated expectations. Now, this is where you get the knock on the door from the CISO saying, hey, I need you to buy this thing, or (laughs) I need you to test this thing, or I bought it already guess what i yeah.
0: guess what i bought today so i just highlighted one on here that david was not expecting to talk about i find it interesting they put dfir which really isn't a tool or a technology but they put it as being right almost at the tip of the hype cycle And that's interesting to me. They say that two to five years is the expected time before it gets to the plateau of productivity. So a fairly short cycle. And on one hand, I can kind of see this. I know there's never been more of a demand for IR folks. I can't tell you the number of recruiters that I have hitting me up and spoken with several recruiters that are like, oh, yeah, we desperately need to hire IR people. We're trying to hire our people. So I guess I can see where that may be contributing to this. But that's so weird to me because... Digital forensics and hire has been around for decades.
1: Right. I would have expected to see this closer to the plateau of productivity, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Like the slope of enlightenment, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But this what this implies, though, is that there's going to be a trough of disillusionment. And I think that we're talking about it next week. There's an article where it talks about trying to prevent all attacks. And I can see maybe in those types of companies where you're expecting that hiring the IR folks is going to solve all of your problems. I can see there definitely being a level of disappointment there. Yeah, it's all about the expectation. Yeah. All right, we can move on. I just, I saw that and I was like, what? And then I was like, what again?
1: Yeah. But also in the peak of inflated expectations is XDR. Oh, uh, yeah. which we've done a whole podcast on, actually, and I probably should have looked yep. up the number so we could reference it.
0: It's there. You know, go listen to the whole back catalog, boost our numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm sure you have nothing better to do, and it's all quite entertaining stuff.
0: Timely, too, all those news articles from a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, but they say this is
1: a high benefit, and it's going to reach the plateau in five to ten years.
0: How is that high benefit? And they said that attack surface monitoring is only moderate benefit. So, XDR is combining EDR plus NDR network. Uh, it's basically like SIM Lite, which I guess it would be a high benefit if you didn't have anything. But for a lot of companies that already have SIMs and already have established teams, XDR doesn't provide much. Whereas, you know, attack surface management, finding all of your assets is kind of important. Yeah. Well, they, and they list the SIM as moderate benefit.
1: And XDR what? is a high benefit. That?
0: Yeah, SIM is
1: only a moderate benefit, but XDR is a high benefit. <laughs> and that's really, XDR is SIM light, as Matt said. So take that, wow. I think you can take their ratings with a grain of salt, to be it, honest.
0: I guess it depends on who the customer is. Like if you're a smaller company that, you know, you've only got four or five security folks or one or two security folks and you can't afford to stand up a SIM, then an XDR is going to be great. And a SIM is going to be of low benefit for you. Right they actually need like a maturity modifier on this, like high benefit if you're low maturity, low benefit if you're high maturity,
1: right, yeah, exactly. That kind of scale would be beneficial to to better understand this, I think because every organization is different, I don't think necessarily because some of these capabilities that they may miss may list as a high benefit are more complex and harder to implement successfully. And it may not end up being a high benefit for you if you don't have the resources necessary to put against it. So I think some of this is, should be more, or would be more subjective based on the organization that, that tries to implement this or works with it. But the next one, Matt and I are huge fans of, which is breach and attack simulation. Now, this is absolutely yes. awesome. They list it as high benefit. Uh, I would actually say this is close to what they call it, uh, transformational, really. And, uh, Uh, Because if you implement this and you fully understand what your security posture looks like, and this is really the way you're going to get that understanding, it would be huge.
0: Yeah. And we've talked about this before, I think, and we're going to talk about it again, but this is all about numbers and being able to show, you know, profits and changing changing your revenue and increasing revenue, et cetera, et cetera. With something like a breach and attack simulation tool, I think you're going to be able to show and make more of a business case for things like, You'll be able to show that implementing this tool increased our security and detections by, you know, 15%. Right. And not only that, but you can also demonstrate if you
1: have an understanding about who your attack base is or, you know, who your attackers are. Because these attack breach and sim- simulation tools, they will often often model at least high-profile ATP Folk and you can run scenarios or you can look at their TTPs and compare them with what your infrastructure looks like and see how well you're protected about the tactics that they implement.
0: Yeah. Uh, it might actually make some of that threat intel stuff useful.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think this <laughs> is huge, much bigger than they say it is. And quite frankly, I don't think I would this is one that they say is in the peak of inflated expectations, but I don't think the expectations for Breach and them are inflated. I think they're accurate, how important they are. It is. I I think this is one that should have gone from innovation to the slope of enlightenment.
0: At least. I hope so. No, but I'm, yeah, I agree that it's a, it's, it it may have hit the peak like a year or two ago, but it's still very popular right now. And I'm a little worried about that trough of disillusionment. Well, I think it'll be able to skip it. Hopefully. It does say two to five years. They're expecting it to move through it pretty quickly.
1: Because not only is it really beneficial, the concept is simple and easy to understand, which... Which which I think will allow it to skip that disillusionment because there's nothing. I know hidden is probably not the right, the proper term, but it's very straightforward. So I don't think there's any undue expectations as far as what this can do for you.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, it's not super complicated. I mean, there's one of the, there's one of them that we're about to talk about. There's a couple that we're about to talk about that have the five to ten year time limit. Like soar, like soar is incredibly complicated. So I can see why that has a longer time limit than this or time range.
1: Right. And that can be the first one we talk about here, in, which is they're wallowing in the trough of disillusionment now that everybody who's implemented their SOAR attempted to implement their SOAR. And this makes complete sense to me that SOAR is here, though. Yeah.
0: It was supposed to be the savior. It was supposed to bring everything together and make it all work together and actually create that single pane of glass. At which the possibility is still there. But what they fail to tell you, this is freaking hard. It requires so much work.
1: So much work. So I think, you know, it fully has the capability of moving to the plateau of productivity. I think it, it's definitely worthwhile, but holy cow, the amount of effort necessary to implement it is kind of ridiculous. But one thing I would say about why it's down here is that concept from an attack taking place and SOAR mitigating that and automating it all the way through without human involvement. I think that's pretty, that's really. At least in the next couple of decades, I think that's really a pipe dream. Yeah.
0: I mean, it is actually falling to kind of the same issue that killed the McAfee thing, I think, that we talked about before. Like, not everybody's got an API. The APIs aren't all standardized. Everybody has their special little snowflake API. And trying to automate stuff, you run into so many corner cases you you've got to automate you've got to automate for the 80 percent but then still if you've got a hundred incidents coming in you've got 20 that still have to be manually handled in some way so it's super helpful i agree with the high benefit part it's just it's just a supplement to humans right i think we talked about this before where one of the other challenges that that for soar is that a lot of security tools they want you in their console oh Um, yes i just i was just talking with someone for a data protection tool that I'm not going to name. And they, and I was like, well, how do we get this data into our SIM? And they were like, well, why would you want to do that? It's all built out right here for you. Well, cause we don't want to go into 20 different tools. And they were so confused. Unbelievable. 2022, everything should be accessible via API. All the data should be exportable into other visualization tools. Yep. Yep. All right. The other one that's
1: wallowing down here is the data discovery and management, which is a moderate benefit and expect to hit the tra- the, the plateau in five to 10 years. So this is really, this is like your Veronis, which understands your data, helps you categorize it, helps you understand where it's at, what it's doing, who's touching it, where it moves to, all that kind of stuff. And this is another one that's really hard, I and, it, that. and which is why I think it's down here. Not necessarily that It doesn't deserve to be able to get to the product, the productivity plateau, but it's really difficult.
0: Yeah, this is another one that is, there's so much data. It resides in so many formats. It's basically like Sim. It's got the same problems and same difficulties that Sim and SOAR have, where you're trying to collect things from just an incredible variety of formats and places. Right. I'm almost thinking that, you know, I'm kind of thinking that the, uh, you know, if you have these different tools...
1: You know, you ha- you build a core team of really smart, technically savvy folks, and they're like a tiger team. They just move from one capability to the next, moving it to the plateau for your organization.
0: Interesting. Because it does require a yeah. similar... I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, because then you have dedicated folks that that's all they're doing is trying to make move this to the plateau for you. Uh, And they're not working out, we're not about the the day-to-day operations, of the organization. They're focused on really moving that, that capability to the next level to make it
0: really useful. How long do you think it would take a dedicated team to do this? Two years? I'm thinking like SEM and SOAR. I don't know much about the data discovery management stuff, but. I would say two years. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That'd be an interesting set of skills you'd have at the end because like SEM would force you to learn a lot about log formats and a specific tool, and then SOAR would be programming and scripting, and then those two things could probably help out quite a bit on the data discovery and management side. Oh. Yeah, Anything? that would be one yeah.
1: challenge you'd run into, because after about, you know, three or four years of this team doing this work, you'd have to pay them a bunch of money to stay, because they would have uh, exactly. learned and accumulated so many skills. skills that they'd be worth a lot of money. Yeah. Sign me up. Right here. I just prick your finger and it, write it in blood, and... Get it done. All right. So the second to last one here is the slope of enlightenment. And the two that are in here, we've actually already talked quite a bit about, which is EDR and the sim.
0: I'm surprised he didn't pick Thread Intel because I would have been like, I would argue that Thread Intel is still fully in the trough of disillusionment because it ain't worth nothing. But I don't know. Maybe it's getting better. No. Or maybe I... one day I'll believe in Tip. No, actually, I think you're right. It does uh, say five to 10 years, though. They're still that's, that's a way longer time frame than any of the rest of these. Right. Most of these are two to five or less than two, actually. Because you yeah. figure
1: once they get on the slope of enlightenment, you know they shouldn't be too far to get pushed over the hill.
0: Yeah. The vendors have figured out the big problems. The people have realized it's not going to solve other problems, and they're focusing on the problems it's going to solve. Like, you're on the fast train to a happiness town? I don't know. I can't think it. Of- <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I think that one was
1: miscategorized. It should be back in the trough. Because fran- quite frankly, that's, I guess, I mean, they put it here because everybody understands the supposed benefit of the tip. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's on the cusp of, of moving to productivity, though. I don't know where the enlightenment's coming from, I guess is what I'm <laughs> trying to say. There no, seems to be no point in time where people go, oh, well, third and Tell I didn't really understand it, but now I've got it. I think people still don't fully understand it. Yeah. But of course, sim would be talked quite a bit about
0: as well. I don't know if two to five years. Number one, moderate benefit is, I mean, maybe moderate benefit over what it already has. But I think that should be a high. And two to five years, again, I mean, we're still seeing the same fundamental We talked about in an Anton Chivakhin article a couple of months ago, where he describes that we're seeing the same issues with sim that we saw when it first started. And I used my first sim. Arcsite back 11 years ago or so now, and Arcsite was not exactly new at the time. Like, we've been struggling with Sim for quite a while. It's really depressing that this one is still, we still haven't figured it out, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I think you and I may have actually
1: talked about this earlier, that I think what's really going to move Sim from enlightenment to productivity is risk-based alerting. And at least Splunk fully embracing that. I think if all SIMs fully embrace the risk-based alerting, I think that is really what's going to move it from enlightenment
0: to productivity. Yeah, that's half of it. And then the other half of it's the ingestion. Yeah, if we could get everybody to standardize on some type of logs. Did we, was I talking with you about this or somebody else about, you were talking about how SIM vendors should be writing logging libraries. That was you, right? Yeah, like that would. Simplify so much if there was a generic logging library that the SIM vendors created and all standardized and made freely available as an open source logging library.
1: Yeah. So anybody programming anything could consume that logging library and use that because it would already be SIM compliant uh, and everything. So that logging would look very similar across applications.
0: Yep. Yep, because that's like two-thirds of the pain or three-quarters of the pain of the SEM is trying to ingest data consistently, make it SEM compliant, make sure that it feeds the content. Right. And even after that's
1: done, there's still a lot of understanding and learning you have to do on the log data because depending on what application you're working with, it may create a log entry, but you don't know if that's a good or bad thing to have happened within the logs. (laughs) Right? So you still have to work with the business owners to fully understand the logs as well. But that still removes a huge barrier because imagine that you could basically do a plug and play for any new application being installed in your environment because you don't have to do any of the you don't have to massage the data ingest for your sim. It's just telling them to turn it on. You drop a swamp forwarder on it or whatever, and or you send send it syslog streaming to the indexer or whatever, and don't have to do any tweaks and stuff with that. That would make log onboarding really much rap more rapid than it is today. And then you could spend the time that you would spend massaging that data into working with the platform owners or the business owners to understand the data instead. That sounds like heaven. Pretty nice, for sure. And the only product in the plateau of productivity is vulnerability assessment. Enough said.
0: Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) What's funny is, you
1: know, the plateau of productivity, they have vulnerability assessment in here, but way back, where's it at? In the trough of disillusionment, is vulnerability prioritization technology. So you can assess the shit out of something, but know
0: whether it's important or not.
1: Oh, forget about it.
0: Yeah, I think the automated pen testing as well, it's kind of in the same, but I mean, yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, there's a bunch of, there's actually, you could almost draw categories of products here, like SEM or like McAfee to SOAR to the cybersecurity mesh architecture is like one through line and AV to EDR. To XDR is like another through line, and like Vuln assessment ties up to the automated pen testing, and the pen testing as a service. Yes, a capability evolution. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, what are your overall thoughts on this? Was it wildly off base? Was it, you know, moderately okay? Was it useful at all?
1: I think it's useful at least to see what they have categorized in the innovation trigger, even though a lot of these categories are we. Re- retitled Gartner things. I think it's useful to see exe- at least what their analysts think is on the horizon for what's coming up. And also so that you don't feel alone when you're looking at your sore product and going, <laughs> man, this is terrible.
0: It's just thinking exactly that.
1: You realize that you're not alone in the struggle yeah. because there's a lot of other people who are in the same boat as you in the trough of disillusionment with your sore product.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed Doing some studying up on some of these innovation trigger ones that I've never heard about. And also this gives me some things to actually talk about when the CISO asked me, so what about this ITDR thing? Are we on top of that? Well, it also gives you an idea about if you're starting to implement SOAR, uh,
1: you can write off the first five years of you playing with it. Cause you're not gonna it's not gonna be beneficial for at least five years for you, probably. So this can help set expectations, at least from Gardner's perspective on when whatever product you've got is actually going to start providing you a great benefit. That's not to say you could get it done sooner, obviously. And I don't know if Gartner is considering these conservative estimates or optimistic estimates as far as when it's going to reach its benefit point. Because I think a lot of these dates or timeframes they have in here, it's not just the maturity of the product from the vendors making the product better. It's also organizations understanding and ability to implement as well.
0: Well, thanks for listening to the Security Serengeti podcast. Follow us on Twitter at SerengetiSec and subscribe and listen on your favorite podcast app.